0: Hey, man! my word of welcome. We're delighted that you're here today. We want to welcome all of you. We want to welcome those worshiping with us online. We're so glad to have you in this series that we're talking about text messages. Laura and I have been on vacation. We just got back. We made a big loop up through North Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee, back down to Alabama and back to Florida. I'll tell you a little more about that in the message today, but I'm glad to be home. No place like home, right? And so many people have said, we're so glad to see Laura back. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad that you're here as well. One of the things we did, we visited some friends in Durham, North Carolina, who are in ministry. They're in Navigator's Ministry. The Navigator's Ministry is a ministry that shares the gospel of Jesus and helps people grow in their relationship with him through life-to-life discipleship. These Navigator missionaries build one-on-one relationships and mentor these individuals. In Matthew 419, it says, Jesus said, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. Now, founded in 1933, the mission is to know Christ, to make him known, and to help others do the same. And so I've known this young woman since she was a child. They were in our church in Florida, in Navarre. uh, But she and her husband, and then they have a little now and they've got a baby on the way. And so we got to visit with them. We took them a check. We had dinner with them, uh, bought their dinner and visited and found out about their ministry. And one of the things they do is they found creative ways to relate to people. Uh, She joins a spin class to get to know people so that ultimately they can befriend them and maybe get to know them well enough where they get to share Jesus Christ with them someday. He's in a bike class, a mountain biking thing. And they go out and ride. And so it's doing all kinds of activities, just doing life with people in such a way that they become friends and get to know them and have meals together. And then at some point, you know, when they're asked and when they have the opportunity, they can share Jesus. Because a lot of people today, you know, you can't just talk to them about God. They're not as receptive as people might have been in years gone by. And so you kind of have to find creative ways to become friends with them in order to do that. Now, in these text messages, I want you to look at our text from today. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything, excuse me, except to be thrown out and trampled by men. And so that's kind of what they're trying to do in their part of the world there in Durham, North Carolina, is they're trying to be salt to people who are in the world. Now there was a man who died and his brother came to see the preacher and he said, I want you to preach my brother's funeral. And I know my brother was a stinker. He did things he shouldn't have done. He got into a lot of mischief in his life but I don't want him to be remembered that way. So if you'll get up and preach my brother's funeral and say that my brother was a saint, I'll give your church a million dollars. Well, the preacher had a dilemma. He knew that the guy was really not what he was saying that he thought he was. And he said, you know, but the church needed the money. But he said, I can't lie. So that night he went home and he prayed and the Lord gave him his answer. And he got up at the funeral and he preached the funeral. And here's what he said. We all know that Bill was around her. He did things he shouldn't have done. Even his own mother shook her head at his notorious lifestyle. But compared to his brother, he was a saint. (laughs) (laughs) Now, there are all kinds of people in the world, but what does it mean when you hear somebody say, you're the salt of the earth? When I think about people that are the salt of the earth, I think about folks in our little churches in Kentucky when we were in graduate school, elderly people, little country church, wonderful people. We went by to see some of the younger ones while we were up there in Kentucky and visit and reminisce with them. Now, they were unassuming people. They were kind and gracious and faithful. And, you know, they were blessed by God. And you might describe them as saints. But they didn't see themselves that way. They didn't think of themselves as anything special. But they did have a tremendous Christian witness, especially to Laura and me while we were there. What does it mean when somebody says, You're the salt of the earth? Jesus said it for a reason, because Jesus told stories that people could understand. He always said things like, You're the light of the world or a man went out to sow, or a man built a house. One day he picked up a child and talked about the kingdom of heaven. And so he was simple and yet so profound. And this morning I want us to understand what it meant when he said, you're the salt of the earth. knows the function of salt. But when salt loses its saltiness, it's just thrown out. And in Jesus' day what they would do is they would take the salt that was no longer any good you couldn't flavor anything with it and they would put it on the roadway and just pack the road down and it would just be a place that you could walk on it. Once saltiness loses its primary purpose, it's not really good for very much after that. So when Jesus says, you and I are the salt of the earth, what does salt do? Well, the first thing we see is that salt seasons. When you ate breakfast this morning, I don't know what you had. Maybe you waited till you got here and ate something. But you know, if you had eggs, you'd need to put a little bit of salt on those eggs, don't you? It makes all the difference. Salt brings out the tanginess and zest in food. I visit people in the hospital sometimes. They're on a no-salt diet, and they're miserable because food is bland and boring without salt. You see, life is dull and monotonous for so many people unless you and I reach out and become the salt that makes a difference in their lives. Jane Fullman was an actress and a singer. Back during World War II, she would go into hospitals. She would visit the wounded soldiers. She even went to Europe to visit the American soldiers who'd been wounded there. During that time, she would go in and she would say to them, hey, is anybody here from Missouri? I'm from Missouri. Raise your hand if you're from Missouri and people would raise their hands. On one occasion, she went into the hospital and she said, hey, is there anybody here from Missouri? And a man raised his hand. She said, come on up here. Let's sing a song together about Missouri. And that guy, that soldier, he, he got up and went up there. The doctors and the nurses and all the men in the rest of the ward were shocked because this guy had been there six months And during World War II, he had what they call being shell-shocked. And he hadn't said a word or responded to any person for six months. The doctors couldn't do anything for him. And then this lady came in with this winsome, attractive personality. And she was appealing and energetic. And she reached out to him. And she was the salt that made a difference in his life. You could be salt to someone you see this week who's in need. Jesus said you're the salt of the earth and salt seasons. The second thing we see is that salt preserves. When I was a little boy, I can remember going out to my great-grandmother's house, Granny Wilson. She lived to be 95. She was an amazing person, lived out in the country, had a big old farmhouse and a farm. I can remember going out there to visit. My uncle's taking me out behind the house and they had a smokehouse out there. And they took me inside the smokehouse and explained to me what the smokehouse was for. Before refrigeration, they would take meat and they would hang it in there, and then they would pack it in salt to preserve it. And when they did that, it would take care of it. And I can remember thinking about what would it have been like to live during that time when they had to have the smokehouse and use it because there was no refrigeration. And sometimes I would like to go back to that time. You know, there are times in your life you wish you could preserve and go back and experience again, but they're gone now. But they're special. And so when God was talking to Moses, He didn't give him the ten suggestions. He gave him the ten commandments and they're just as real today as they were when He gave them. And so we need to preserve them, don't we? Jesus Christ gave teachings in the New Testament and He gave us an understanding of what we're supposed to do to please God. I understand that if you visit the northern regions of the world, you'll see something called icebergs. Icebergs, one-tenth of the iceberg is above the surface of the water. Nine-tenths of the iceberg is below the water. And here's an interesting thing. If you're standing on a ship and you see an iceberg, the wind might be blowing this way but the iceberg is moving this way. Because the wind doesn't have any effect on that iceberg. It's those deep currents, deep underneath the water, that's what moves the iceberg, and that's why you can see it going in one direction when the wind is going in a different direction. You know, you and I need to turn against the winds that are blowing today. There are some things in the world today that people are embracing and accepting, that aren't godly things. And we need to preserve what God has taught us. As Christians, we need to be rooted in something that is more stable than just what the world has to offer. It doesn't matter if the majority accepts it. It doesn't matter if it's popular. You and I need to go against the wind and we need to be people who preserve what God teaches. We're going to have to turn back to God instead of the world and look at Him and preserve His Word. You see, if we want to be totally dedicated Christians, we must set the sails of our souls to serve Him. Ephesians says this, that we not be tossed around by every wind of doctrine to and fro in the waves, carried about by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. You see, the enemy is constantly working on deceitful schemes. He's always trying to trick us. He's always trying to trip us up. Even Adam and Eve, he's saying, well, did God really tell you that? Is that really something you're supposed to do? He's always trying to catch us when we're not paying attention. Philippians says this, for I have told you often before, and I say it again, Paul says, with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. Hey, we don't want that to ever be said about us. We don't want to be people who are enemies of the cross of Christ. Jesus looked into the world and He said, who are you going to follow? The world or me? Jesus says you're the salt of the earth and salt preserves. The third thing we see is that salt heals. Did you ever go out and play softball and skin your knee and then you get a scab over it? And then you go over to the beach and you get in the salt water and that scab just kind of rinses away. That salt has a way of healing up your knee. And, and when you go home, that scab is gone and it's starting to heal up now. Or maybe if you ever had a sore throat, you take some hot, some warm salt water and rinse it in your throat and it begins to bring healing to your throat. The world needs healing today. Think about what's going on in the world. Russia, Ukraine, the wars that are going on there, other places, the Middle East, other places around the world, and they need healing. What about Panama City Beach, Florida? There are people right here who need healing in their relationships, and you might be the salt that makes a difference in their lives and their relationships, Years ago, I read the true story in Guidepost magazine about a young boy, 12 years old. His name was Ponya. He lived in a village. They just had thatch-roof huts. He was playing one day, and and all of a sudden he turned around, and he saw his hut was going up in flames. And inside, he heard his brother crying for help. All the adults from the village came running over there to see what was going on, but they just stood there, and they didn't do anything. Twelve years old, Ponya ran into that burning hut. He got his brother. He brought him back out to safety. The adult said, Ponya, what were you thinking when you did that? He said, I wasn't thinking anything. I just heard my brother crying. Let me ask you a question. Do you hear your brother, do you hear your sister crying today? Did you know there are people in need right here in Panama City Beach, and you could be the salt to make a difference for them? In Matthew 25, Jesus said, I was hurting. I was in need. I was hungry. I was thirsty. I was naked. I was in prison and you visited me. And they said, Lord, we, we don't remember seeing you that way. He said, In as much as you have done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. He's saying, if you want to be one of my followers, what you need to do is take care of my people. You need to reach out and you need to be the hands and feet and voice and heart. You need to be the person who's sought to help people in need. At the office tomorrow, listen to the people around you. Many of them may be calling for help. One day a man's car broke down and he flagged down a stranger and the stranger stopped and saw what he needed. He got a rope out of the trunk and he tied it on the guy's bumper and then he pulled him down to the gas station. The guy tried to pay the stranger. He said, no, you don't need to pay me. He said, you just get a rope. Next time you see somebody stranded, you help them and take them where they need to go. You see, that's what Jesus said. Don't thank me, just take up a cross and follow me. Don't just thank me, but have forgiveness in your heart and live that way. Don't just thank me, but carry love with you and other people will see that love in you and they'll be drawn to me. He said, you're the salt of the earth and salt heals. Fourth, salt dissolves. Do you ever notice when you sprinkle it on food, it just kind of goes away? But boy, you can taste it, can't you, when you eat it? If you and I are the salt of the earth, we need to dissolve in such a way that we can be used by God and just lose ourselves in service to Him. You know, we don't always want to do that, do we? We like to get rewarded for what we do. We like to get recognized for what we do. Jesus said, if you want to save your life, you must lose it. You must become dissolved in service to me. When you watch football, who gets the glory? You know, it's the people in the high visibility positions. It's, it's the quarterback or the running back, and you always see them. But what about those interior linemen? Those people wouldn't be able to score if somebody didn't block for them. In fact, today, what do they do? A lot of those people that score, they go back to their linemen, the linemen come celebrate with them in the end zone, and they point to them and say, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. Who could say that today about you? Hey. I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for you. If you hadn't invited me long ago, I never would have come. If I hadn't come, I never would have become a Christian. I want to thank you to be that kind of person for me. Lumpy salt is no good but salt that scatters and dissolves and does the job. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth, and salt dissolves. The fifth thing is that salt brings out the best. Did you know that if you take bacon potatoes and put them in a big barrel of salt water, what'll happen is that the good bacon potatoes, they will go down to the bottom in that hot salt water, and the bad potatoes, they'll just float up to the top, and you can just take them off and throw them away. There's something about that salt water that brings out the best in potatoes, Now listen, if salt water can do that for potatoes, what can you and I do for other people in our lives? Do you bring out the best in others? Do you have an effect on them that's positive, or do people go the other way when they see you coming because you're so negative? When people listen to you talk, do you talk about good things and what's right, or do you talk about bad things and what's wrong in the world today? Several years ago, there was a preacher from out of state who moved. He accepted the call to go and serve a church in Houston, Texas. He was there several weeks. He decided that what he would do since the church was downtown, he would take the bus and ride it downtown and get off. When he got on the bus, he paid the bus driver. When he sat down, he noticed that the bus driver gave him too much change. He gave him an extra quarter back. He thought to himself, I guess I better give this quarterback when I finish my ride here. And then he thought, oh, it's it's just a quarter. It's no big deal. They'll never miss it. I mean, the bus fares are too high anyway. Why would I do that? But then he decided, I better do it. And he stopped and he paused when he got up to the bus driver before he got off the bus. And he gave him the quarterback. And he said, hey, you gave me too much change. And the bus driver smiled. He said, I recognize you. You're the new preacher in town. I've been thinking about attending your church. I don't go to church. I gave you that extra quarter just to see what you would do with it. I'll be there Sunday. And this preacher said he got off the bus and he literally grabbed the light post right there on the side of the street and held on to it. And he prayed, oh God, I almost sold your son for a quarter. Our lives are sometimes the only Bible that people are going to read. Our example may be the only one that they're going to see and they're going to watch us if we're Christians and they're going to put us to the test. Always be on your guard. And remember that you carry the name of Jesus Christ on your shoulders when you proclaim that you are a Christian. Listen, watch your thoughts because your thoughts become words. Watch your words because your words become actions. Watch your actions because your actions become habits. Watch your habits because your habits become character. Watch your character because your character becomes your destiny. Jesus said, You're the salt of the earth, salt brings out the best. Sixth and finally, salt creates a thirst. Way back when I was in high school, I played football. They would give us a water break, and back then they used to do something. I doubt they do it now, but they would give us little salt tablets to take when we were out there because we were sweating and expending all that salt from our bodies, and so they wanted to make sure that we had enough salt. But you know what that does? It creates a thirst, and you just want to drink some more then. You ever had country ham? I don't get to eat it much, but I sure do like it. And you taste it, and boy, it's great. But boy, it sure is salty, isn't it? And after you eat it, man, you got to have something to drink after that. What about seafood? I love to eat seafood. You eat seafood. Sometimes, boy, that'll make you thirsty too, won't it? It creates a thirst. Or what about going out to football practice? That's going to start pretty soon. Go out there about 5.30 on Tuesday afternoon. You'll see guys that are hot and sweaty, and they're just depleting, and, boy, they give anything for something to drink. Or go outside and cut the grass in this heat and go out there, and the first thing you do when you get through, you celebrate your work, and then you say, man, i got to have something to drink. And you pour a big glass of water and drink it. Go over there to the beach this afternoon. Lay out there on the beach for about an hour. I promise you'll be looking for something to drink after that. I just pray you get the right thing, okay? (laughs) I can see some of you licking your lips right now. Some of you are getting thirsty just thinking about, boy, I sure wish I had some water. How many people are we creating a thirst for God in their lives? I saw a TV program one time. It was about a plane crash. In the first two minutes of the program, this plane went down. For the next 57 minutes, all they did was look for water This guy was outside in the heat. It was dusty and hot. He was struggling along. Every time they had a commercial, I went to the kitchen to get something to drink. You know, I was struggling right along with him. finally, in the very last minute of the program, he got some water, and I drank a glass right along with him then. You see, let me ask you a question. How many of you this morning created a thirst in somebody else's life Enough to bring that person to church with you today. When I walked in this morning, first thing they said, we're glad you're home for your vacation. And here's the person I invited and brought to church and I want credit for it right now. I said, that's going on your permanent record. And when I say permanent, you know what I mean, right? How many of you are excited, so excited about what Jesus is doing in your life that you want to tell others about him so that they can experience what he has to offer? People bring people to church. There are countless stories of individuals. Somebody invited them, they came, they got involved here, then they invited somebody else and they came and they got involved and that's been going on and on and on and we stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. Think about all the people that have been reached for God right here at Woodlawn over the many, many years and what a blessing it is to get a front row seat to watch God work and all we've got to do is just be faithful and obedient and trust Him for the results. Salt creates a thirst. And if you're creating a thirst in somebody else's life for Jesus, Jesus says you're the salt of the earth. And salt creates a thirst. Salt seasons, it adds flavor. Salt preserves, it keeps God's Word. Salt heals in a broken world. Salt dissolves in service to God. Salt brings out the best to encourage others, and salt creates a thirst for God in other people's lives. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. And I just want to ask you, are you? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for not just leaving us here, but teaching us what we're supposed to do. Thank you for showing us by sending your Son to die for us what it means to be thinking of other people first. Lord, I pray that we might all be the salt of the earth, that we might be sensitive to the leading of your Holy Spirit, that we might be used by you in such a way that we're just a blessing to other people. When they see us, they see Jesus in us. Lord, I know that you are the one who saves people. We just get a front row seat to watch you work. But I pray that we might be serious about our witness, about our faith, about the kinds of people we want to be so that others might be drawn to you. Lord, sometimes we fail, but don't let us quit. Help us to get back up and go again and try to do better next time. To be the salt of the earth. We pray in Jesus' name, and all God's children say it.